Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet journalist and filmmaker Alex Kotlowitz, professor of psychology Dr. Jennifer Eberhardt, and lawyer and former U.S. attorney Preet Bharara. These authors' timely audiobooks explore the complex topics of violence, race, and criminal justice. Hear about the meaningful and influential interviews that contributed to these audiobooks, and how these personal stories and different perspectives can help us reflect on our own. Plus, find out which author was inspired in part by Tim O'Brien's seminal book, The Things We Carried. Enjoy. Hi, this is Alex Kotlowitz. So let me just tell you a little bit about what brought me to this book. I, I feel like in many ways, as I write in the book, I've been working towards this since writing There Are No Children Here in 1991. What unmoored me spending these two years in the projects with these two young boys, Lafayette and Farrow, was the violence around them. I was simply unprepared for what I saw and what I heard. And subsequently, I've been personally affected. I've lost friends, kids that I knew working on that book. And what has struck me is that we kind of glibly record the shootings and the killings that happen in Chicago and other cities without much attention, without much sense as to what it does to the kind of very spirit of individuals and the spirit of community. And so I really wanted to try to write as intimate a book as I could about what the violence does to individuals. And the flip side of that is the fact that so many of the people I met, despite all they've experienced, despite the pain, the darkness sometimes, that they managed to go on. And sometimes not only managed to go on, but managed to go on heroically. As any good writer will, any writer worth their salt will tell you, you know, we stand on the shoulders of others. And a book that I had in the back of my mind as I was working on this one was Tim O'Brien's The Things They Carried, which is a book that I can't get out of my head. You know, this deeply intimate story about the nastiness and ugliness of war. And it wasn't at all about policy. It wasn't about the politics of the Vietnam War. It was about what it did to the souls of these soldiers in battle. And I kept on thinking about that in writing An American Summer, that I wanted to avoid writing about public policy, about politics, though I touch on it briefly in one chapter, but that I really wanted to write these really intimate stories about how the violence, as Tim O'Brien writes, gets in your bones. I also thought some about what the journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones has said, that she doesn't feel compelled to have happy endings or neat and tidy endings because she doesn't want to let readers off the hook. And I certainly felt that way as well. I didn't want to let readers off the hook. I wanted them to experience some of what the people in the book experienced along with them. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be exhausting. I've done a fair amount of radio. But to record 11 hours of a book is unlike anything I've done before. And we've spent four and a half days in the studio. I was blessed with a wonderful director, Joe Ward, who kept me honest. 
But I'd come home at night, and I didn't have the energy even to read. I just would watch a little TV and then get into bed. It's wearing. I realized I had trouble pronouncing two things in this book. One is the word, and I hope I get it right here, is conflagration. I always thought it was conflagration, but I added an A, I realize, when I would use that word. The other word, and I'm not even sure that I got it right in the reading, is the name of one of the characters in the book, a middle-aged man who witnessed a police shooting, Quintabellu Benson. And I laugh only because i known Q or Benson, which is what he likes to be called because nobody can pronounce his first name. And so I don't think I've ever heard his first name pronounced before, and I just hope I got it right. I'm excited about this audiobook, in part because this book for me was deeply personal, and so I hope that some of that comes across in the reading. These are all people in the book who I've gotten to know very well, some of whom have become dear friends, and I just hope that I've done them justice, both in the stories I tell and my conveying it in this audiobook. So I was asked if I wasn't going to record my audiobook, who would I cast in it? I'm not sure that I would cast anyone else. I guess partly because this book, again, is so deeply personal that I really wanted to read it, and I can't imagine anybody else reading it. I think the thing that I would do differently if we had had more time is I would have brought in some of the people in the book to read their letters, their journal entries. There's a eulogy in the book, moments when we could hear them reading their own words, and that would have been powerful. And it also, I think, would have let you get to know them even more intimately than you do in these stories. Hi, this is Jennifer Eberhardt. I wrote this book because there weren't many popular books out there on bias that allowed the broader public access to the science behind bias. And there was really no go-to book at all on racial bias in particular. And so I wanted to focus the book on racial bias and to look at that kind of bias in all these different spaces, in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, in the criminal justice system, and to allow the reader to really appreciate how that kind of bias can really work its way into our minds and into our lives and can shape our life course. An early inspiration for writing about this subject came when I was a young child. I was 12 years old. I you know, lived in an all-black neighborhood where everyone was black. All my neighbors, my teachers, the shop owners, you know, my whole world was black. And then my parents announced one day that we were going to move to this other place called Beechwood out in the suburb. And I knew that the people in that suburb were all white. And so it worried me about how I would fit in there and whether I would belong there and how people would treat me and so forth. And I got there and realized that it was a huge difference in terms of resources, that the school was just a lot nicer and it was bigger. And, you know, they had playing fields there and they had sort of fancy everything. And 
led me to begin thinking about how people live in really radically different ways. And even though these neighborhoods were just a bike ride away, you know, we were living almost, it felt like a world away in terms of what the experience was. And that seemed to be very much aligned with race. And so that led me to ask questions about race and what it means and how it can affect our lives. And I never stopped asking those questions. Recording an audiobook is not something one does every day, <laughs> unless you're an actress or an actor or something like that. But it was scary just because I hadn't done it before. It was scary to think about who would be listening to it. And it's not something I imagined when I was writing the book. I was writing the book for a reader, not a listener. And so thinking about it with a listener's ear, it was a different kind of way of communicating that I hadn't anticipated. So I wasn't sure I was up for the job. So I did my best. (laughs) There was a word that it's not that I didn't know how to pronounce, but I had trouble pronouncing every time it came up, which was community, (laughs) which is a problem because it came up quite a bit in the book. (laughs) So I would like stumble. I felt like I would garble the end of it every time. So that was a little tough. I'm really excited for listeners to hear the stories and the voices of the people that I interviewed for the book. Those stories, for me, just really spoke to me in different ways, and they reflect people out there really grappling with race. All of the people I interviewed, I've learned an incredible amount from. I feel like I not only got information, but I also felt so inspired by what they were doing and how they were striving and who they were. And I'm just excited for people to meet them and to hear their stories and to feel hopeful because I felt hopeful. I felt really hopeful again about the path forward as a country. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Viola Davis because she is an incredible actress, because I love her voice. I love her passion. I think she would get this story and fill it with sort of richness and deliver it in a way where people would remember it. The last audiobook I listened to in full was Dreams for My Father by Barack Obama. It was a great story. He was a great narrator. I like the idea of him telling his own story. And I like the fact that he wrote it before he became president. And we got a sense of him before that job. And so it felt like you got to know him in a way. Hi, I'm Preet Bharara, and I'm in the studio just wrapping up recording the audiobook version of my new work, Doing Justice. What inspired me to write Doing Justice, I think, was the idea that I have had such an experience being the U.S. attorney. We have this weird time in our country where people don't do a good job of understanding how to get to the truth. They don't understand how justice is properly done by impartial folks through an impartial process. And I thought there might be some lessons based on my time as a federal prosecutor for not just lawyers, 
but regular people trying to figure out what it means for justice to be done fairly. If I had to describe in one word or phrase what it was like to record the audiobook, I would say much less painful than I expected. Was there a word or phrase I realized I didn't know how to pronounce? Yeah, the plural of minutia, minutiae, which still sounds terrible and wrong to me, but I was instructed to say it minutiae. I put a lot of time and effort not only in the writing of the book, but also in the speaking of it. And there are portions of it that are actually things that we say in court and ways that we tell stories. I wrote it very much with an ear towards how it would sound. And I suppose something about the narration is reflected in the arc of the book. And, you know, I like all parts of the book, some more than others. Obviously, any book can be just read or just listened to. But I think some of the stories told in the last part of the book on punishment, I think I was able to convey the complexity of what it must be like to have to decide proper punishment for other human beings and the pain of what being in Rikers Island must be like. And I hope I conveyed something about the intensity of the decisions and the intensity of the moral issues revolving around punishment in the narration that maybe doesn't come quite as fully across just on the cold written page. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast, obviously, James Earl Jones. And if he wasn't available, Bruce Springsteen. And not, as some people on Twitter have suggested, Gilbert Gottfried. No offense to Gilbert Gottfried. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.